Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Dave Ninimitz. It's Dave Ninimitz. All right, welcome to the latest edition. You hear that podcast. I'm Junior Jr. Dave Ninimitz of The Athletic with you. Although Dave's here, we've, we've allowed Dave to come in because it's still, it's so newsy. But this is technically wild card Thursday, even though it's not Thursday. There's just exceptions everywhere right now. Yeah, I'm, you know. It's like you've taken me out of hibernation from my my Tuesday time and I know awoken me from my slumber to come join this. I know. I just I felt like there's there's just a lot of things that are different right now with the Monday night game and sure. and this big news story that's that's changing by the day. In fact, it's probably changing by the moment behind us. <laughs> so I, I want to get to this, but we have I have two guests on this show. I am super pumped. Um I explained this a little later on in the beginning of the interview, but I have wanted to have AJ McCarron on as a guest for since I saw the interview of him with the St. Louis Battlehawks with his kids coming up and he he starts crying because he, this is why he, you know, turned down millions of dollars in the NFL to go play in the XFL because his kid would watch YouTube highlights of him and wanted to see him what it looked like when he actually played. And he got to do that and he played well. I was like, God, AJ is just the best. He was yeah. the best. He is the best. And then all of a sudden, a backup quarterback storyline comes in, and I said, "Let's shoot AJ McCarron a text. <laughs> see if maybe this could be the week." And because he's the best, yeah, he said, "Yeah, sounds great." And uh, uh, he came on. We talked yesterday, and uh, uh, so AJ McCarron comes on talk about being a backup quarterback in a big spot. I mean, it's so much Monday night football, which he's done. I mean, yeah. all of these things. Um, it, it was so great to have him on. So AJ McCarron as a guest here. And then uh, our fantastic writer covering the Rams uh, who, you know, the Super Bowl, the Aaron Donald swinging helmets incident. <laughs> We've worked together plenty. Uh, I, I hope you have listened to play callers that she did this off season, which is an incredible podcast series. Um, Zach Taylor makes an appearance in that. Um, it's great work. And so Jordan Rodriguez, who covers the Rams for us, is our other guest as we sort of talk through what's going on there. But I, I wanted that didn't leave us a lot of spot for a newsy week, Dave. Right. Um, things are happening, the wheels are in motion. Um, and so let's update where people are at, uh, and mostly what we know right now at this moment in the ever-changing world of Joe Burrow's calf. Um, there is Quote, still soreness. He did not practice yesterday. He was out there, had a helmet on, did a, did a now, I guess, famous walk across a street and up a hill that pissed people <laughs> off. Um, what, what was the gate? What was the gate on that? It was not as brisk. Okay. Um, But I think confident enough. The problem was there was nothing beyond a brisk walk. 
Could we get like a like a gate meter and make it look yeah. like the uh, the evolutionary deal where you got like the the monkey and then it goes up to like the caveman <laughs> and then you can just point to where he's at in there? Yeah, we we, yeah. we I'll get our graphics department right on that, <laughs> right? And we have the needle that goes yeah. across. Eventually, you're at like Cro Magnon yeah. Band. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I agree. Yeah, where he... are we at right now? <laughs> <laughs> um, we, I think we're right now. the The bottom line is. Uh, he didn't practice. He didn't even throw with the once individual stuff began. There's, I mean, he, he didn't walk. He didn't, he didn't jog. He just walked across the practice fields to go over to the individual sessions that we saw. Um, there is nothing. And that's fine. I think even in the best timeline, you're still having him take it easy and stay off of it uh, yeah. in, in this practice. I think it's clear right now. This is about hope. This is hope that things somehow feel different come mm-hmm. Monday. And just taking every minute of it till they can get to that point and see. Um, it just feels like if he does go do something, including pregame warm-ups, it could aggravate it. So, you know, it's such a weird injury that just could go wrong at any time. Um, but who knows? Maybe he feels better and he gets out there and turns the season around. Yeah, so that's I mean that's the that's kind of where they're at with it right now is they're they're in the background they're they're planning Jake Browning is out there taking all the first team reps doing all of that stuff you know they're kind of going forward with Jake doing everything we talked to Brian Callahan yesterday and he said look it doesn't change anything as far as our protocol our process right now this is what we would be doing. Jake happens to be the one throwing it instead of Joe. That's the difference. We're still implementing the game plan. Now they may lean heavier into certain parts of said game plan, depending on who the quarterback is, but obviously no matter what I would think you're assuming you're going to be more run heavy. Uh, yeah. You're, you know, you're going to, you're not going to be throwing it all over the lot, but you still need to have those. You're still going through everything when you're getting reps and it's just Jake is the one going through the reps. If Burrow plays, I doubt you see him have any kind of real practice again, that they're going to start practicing in like an hour from when I'm talking right now. So um, we'll see as the next two days go by. Um, But this is the fact that this issue is still there. The history, the long history that I've outlined of quarterbacks that have had, whether it's been their first time getting the calf strain in season or a re-aggravation usually have to sit out a week until they can even go out there. That's the point is it's not that, he couldn't go out there and hop around. It's yeah. that that you you do, you then open him up to not being able to move and protect himself. Yeah. Okay. And and yeah, protecting from recurrence is a part of that. That's one of the things. Also, protecting from Aaron Donald yeah. like exploding his sternum because he doesn't feel like he can move. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So there's there's elements to all of this that are that are part of the equation of how much do you feel like you can move back there if you're out there. Um, But for now they're going forward with Jake. The interesting thing, Dave is um, Will Greer's not here anymore. Yeah, That was a, that was a wild card out of a left field that we caught yesterday afternoon, like a stray in the night. Just crazy. I mean, I, I Lord knows how well he would have done had he been thrust into some sort of role, given how long he's been here. But now you don't even have the warm body, which just that's crazy heading toward a Monday night football game that you don't even have the warm body as the potential backup quarterback. I noticed you were throwing out some options. Maybe Joe Mixon try some backup uh, quarterback. <laughs> I mean, look, 
I think there's a lot, there's a lot of options here. Well, Reed <laughs> Sinet is now in the mix, right? So he's yeah. back, um, which I know that's confidence inducing. I mean, he couldn't even get into that bad backup battle that was going yeah. on. And so, but you're, yeah, he, if you talk about warm body, that's the definition of we have a pulse. Okay. Yeah. Uh, who can go in there. This is what they want. Look, if Burrow's inactive because of the calf and Browning's your starter, you need somebody in case. Mm-hmm. Okay. As your backup. You need somebody who can go in there and knows the words that are being said into his headset. Yeah. And could potentially throw a slant to Jamar Chase if that's a call off a of like play action every once in a while. Like, yeah. You're, you're, I mean, as I tweeted, you're in the darkest timeline if you end up there. Okay. I don't know if we have many community <laughs> fans in the house, but like you're not in a, in a good place, but you have to think about that. That's your contingency is. You need somebody that knows what you're saying, okay? Yeah. And so that's that's where that's at for instantly right now. I am positive that there are going to be more options brought onto the table as they start thinking about the long term ahead because they were kind of going to keep developing Will Greer in the background and trying to accelerate. They said they were doing that, but the Patriots pluck him. They put him on their 53 um, for reasons that, you know, whatever they are, maybe it's because they play the Cowboys next week. I don't know. It's Belichick. Maybe yeah. they're trying to soften the Bengals. I don't know. It's Belichick, whatever. Uh, but yeah, it I, could be a Belichick 3D chess deal of yeah. if I ever have to face the the Bengals. I've yeah, it always leads to so many wins. Yeah. So, but that's where they're at. So, <laughs> so it's, a, it's a weird spot um, of trying to figure out what's next um, at this position. But for now, it's going to be a, a waiting game on whether it's Burrow on Monday night against the Rams or not. Um, yeah. And and see how this thing feels and hope. Again, I think that's really the word. It's a hope that all of a sudden this thing with the extra day, I mean, he specifically mentioned that Burrow did yesterday. The extra day is what gives him hope that maybe it'll feel good enough that he can go back there. The thing is, this guy is going to want to play through it all. And that's his history. I wrote a column about this today. I mean, he's he is a I mean, everything seems to add to the legend of him going out there and playing through whatever, no matter the circumstances. I mean, in the Super Bowl and the national championship, he played through debilitating injuries, rib yeah. cartilage, busted MCLs. But it doesn't matter. Like just who he is. He's a gamer. He the way he said yesterday that Owen two is something he's thinking about when he thinks about trying to play was with the most serious eyes and nod I'd ever seen of, yeah, like, I feel like I need to be out there to save this team in this season. Mm-hmm. They may have to protect him from himself here, um, but that's 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 part of this as well. Yeah, I think uh, he said it in that column you have is, you know, that decision's not on him ultimately, so he gets that. But if they're going to leave the decision to him, he's going to play. I mean, he'll he'll yeah. play in the status he's in right now. He'll play. And I think just from what I'm seeing, a lot of fans think this shouldn't hold him back. He should play. You got to send him out there. I, I don't know. I, I I think you got to look at the big picture. And that's a lot of what your column was about. Um, and maybe I'm just going to do a little ha- glass half full on this. What Jake Browning would give you and what we saw in the preseason is a mobile quarterback. So I think I think you open some things up with him running around a little bit that maybe Joe can't do right now. 
what you give up is everything else Joe Burrow does. <laughs> he's not, not he's not going to be a hundred percent Joe Burrow, but it yeah. is a hundred percent Jake Browning better than sixty percent Joe Burrow. That's the, the answer question. might be yes, especially uh, you know we talked about this with Mo with the full runway of the week and mm-hmm. and, and and other things that you can do. I think that's something you got to believe in your guys at some point, and I think that is part of what this comes down to. All right, um, let's get into the show. Let's get into AJ McCarron. And that will be followed by a conversation about the Rams and where they're at with Jordan Rodrigue. Um, and then we'll come back in and wrap it up. All right. Now the latest on here, that podcast ground, I, I have a, a special guest. I, I will, I will, I will spill something here that I was just saying to him before we started is that I have a file for these wild card episodes that I do uh, that I, I keep a names. There, there, there must be 40 names on the list of just people from all over the place, different corners of the sports, pop culture, anything tangentially connected to the Bengals world. And I put them in there when it pops into my head. And I, and I like to go through the list every now and again to keep in mind. And this one has been on my file for months. Uh, and all of a sudden this week happens in backup quarterbacks. And the last time there was a big game with a backup quarterback was in the news. And I said, wait. This is the perfect opportunity to go to a name that I've been wanting to talk to for a long time, and that is former Bengals quarterback, starting and backup quarterback, uh, A.J. McCarron. A.J., what is up? Oh, nothing much. I appreciate you having me on, Paul. Uh, It's great to see. I think the last time I talked to you was in Mobile, Alabama. We were down there, myself and my old partner, Jim Lazarski, were down there for the Senior Bowl, and you took us to some weird backfield that you were just getting workouts in on, and we hung out for a little while, <laughs> and I just remember thinking, like, man, what a what an, inter- what an interesting spot you were in, but you know what it ended up being? It ended up being many more years in the league. You spent time with Oakland, Houston, and Atlanta, where I guess you tore your ACL, um and yep. uh and then last year you moved into the xfl role and you balled out with the st louis Battlehawks. um where are you at now like where where are you at as we speak right now uh yeah i'm in in mobile and um just being a dad staying in shape training uh five days a week and then doing a lot of uh coaching of flag football um for my two <laughs> oldest boys at their school so um just just living the dad life uh i cannot believe that trip is seven now is that right yeah i mean i remember him you know going around the practice fields or being carried in your arms uh (laughs) back in the day uh that's crazy congratulations i mean three kids you're killing it right now i assume you're a hardcore uh flag football coach though i mean you got you can't be easy on these kids uh, yeah, I mean, well, um, I, listen, I, I try to remember their first and second graders. So, but uh, I, it, it's amazing. Like I, I've learned um, getting into that side, uh, the coaching side of it for younger kids was there were so many people that, you know, whether it's other coaches uh, or parents that doubt like, oh, well, my kid can't learn, you know, uh a no huddle offense or he can't learn this position. And the more I push the kids um, to learn no huddle offense or to learn a new position, like it's amazing what kids can do when you actually push them and, and challenge them and, uh, and they step up to that challenge. So um, 
listen, it's all for fun. It, it, we, we have a ton of fun and, uh, but we, yes, we like winning too. So yeah, let's just, you know, just teach them about some, some, some hot routes, some audibles, maybe some zone read stuff, <laughs> you know, just work that in, just work that in uh, before, before yeah. get, but I, you know, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about some of your time here and obviously about, you know, being a backup quarterback called into a high profile situation. I want to get to that, but I can't, I have to start with the reason your name ended up on my list in the first place. I love your story um, from why you went to the XFL. Can you just recap for people what happened and, and with your time of deciding to go from being potentially a staying as an NFL backup to deciding to play in the XFL with the battle Hawks? Yeah. Um, you know, for me, it was, coming back from ACL, um, in 21 and I had calls and had workouts and, um, some opportunities to be, uh, either practice squad guy. Um, and, and that's what it seemed like for, uh, a little bit for a couple teams was, Hey, you're going to be our practice squad guy and then possibly work into, um, the backup position. But, um, uh, for me, it was being away from my my family and especially, uh, you know, the boys during their sports um, during that time. And um, it, it just wasn't the right fit for me during that time and, and, and our family. And I came home uh, one day in between trips and, and basically uh, my oldest son, Trip was uh, watching YouTube and said, Dad, you know, I, I want to watch you play football again. And um, and Coach Anthony Beck had been calling me for a while. And so I finally reached back out to him and said, you know what, I'll, I'll do this thing. And um, and me and Bruce Gorkowski started talking a ton and putting our offense together. And I knew Bruce from all the years that we played Pitt. And, uh, and so we just had that connection and um, – and really just took off with the offense and kind of putting our own spin on things. And, uh, and it was still the same type of system that we learned in Cincinnati and he had in, in Pittsburgh and all the same lingo and everything. So it, it was just a great deal and, and match for us. And, uh, and it was something that was special for me. And I got to go out and play in front of an awesome city and crowd in St. Louis and, uh, and the boys got to experience that. And um, it was just a great, great time for our family. I mean, the the video of your kids running up on you after the first game is just, I mean, that's a, that's a memory that I won't lose. I can't imagine what it's like for your family to yeah. have that caught on tape and, and for everybody to remember that. Um, so I, I imagine looking back on it now, as you reflect, you have to feel like that was just the best decision that you could have made. Oh, by far. I, you know, I, I tell people all the time, like the, the, those memories that we created this past year were it's really something that money can't buy. Um, and, and to have that experience to, yeah, you know, making money's great and everything, um, especially NFL type money. But uh, to have those experiences and have my son around at practice and him being a ball boy during camp and <laughs> see that that how daddy gets coached um, and he kind of 
and it really made him have a huge jump when it comes to like me coaching him. It's like, oh, well, dad's not getting on to me. He's not mad at me. He's just coaching me. So um, it, it really helped uh, a ton. And yeah, it was just uh, some unbelievable memories for us, for sure. Well, you know, you crushed it with 24 touchdowns against six interceptions in nine games, over 2,000 yards. I mean, crazy comebacks. Um, thanks to some of the XFL rules that made it really exciting, but all that yeah. you look like you could still sling it. So, so what's up? Are, are you going to get a call from the Bengals there? I mean, they're in a wild situation right now. I feel like you should be a name on the list. I, I would love to, um, you know, I, I've, hell, I, I can't tell you how many times our, our family has talked about it. Just going back to Cincinnati and, um, and how awesome it would be to, you know, in my career there, retire a bingo, but um, I, I loved our, our time in Cincinnati. The four years were unbelievable. And, uh, but uh, you never know. I, I, w- I would definitely love a call and have a chance to go back for sure. Yeah. I mean, I know the city still loves you. I mean, I, I I'll say this. You, you, I think that we were minute and a half away from AJ to AJ Ooh. being being one of the the most iconic moments in franchise history it still is even in a loss i mean people still talk about it i mean aj green was just here this past weekend going as the uh, ruler of the jungle and he talked about that being maybe one of his favorite moments even in a loss i know it's hard uh but like how how many times does that game pop into your head on a uh, on a regular basis well, it, it does for sure. Um, you know, especially, you know, during hard times was tearing my ACL in, uh, in 21 in, in Atlanta. And um, just thinking back, like, man, if we win that playoff game, um, how different could the, my career have been? And, um, you know, whether that was in Cincinnati or leading to another spot um, that better suited me. But, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely a tough one to, to think about, but, um, I mean, it was unbelievable. I, I can still remember the rain falling and it being cold and just hearing the crowd just erupt, um, like I've never heard before at that stadium was, uh, was unreal. Uh, yeah, it's still it's amazing how much it's still talked about to this day. I think people Bengals fans are now able to talk about it in better terms because the team has <laughs> broken the drought and it's so different now. And the like the scars of the of the past are so gone. Um, and so I feel like people embrace that era and even some of the moments that were highs and lows at the same time. And yours was certainly one of them, which brings us kind of, you know, the thread here right now, which is. Jake Browning potentially could have to come in for a team that has Super Bowl expectations is 0-2 on Monday night football uh, with Aaron Donald lined up across from him. Your name popped into my head immediately because you came in for a team with Super Bowl expectations. Andy had been running it. You know, he had great weapons all around. And you now had to carry the ship into the into the postseason. What? What is the most important part for any backup quarterback that's potentially going to be thrust into this situation to to surviving? Yeah, I, I think especially, you know, still with Cincinnati's defense, like it is taking care of the football. 
Um, I mean, they're such a loaded team and, and have been for the past couple of years. Um, but even during my time, you know, I, I knew we had a, a really good defense. Um, and, and my main job was, okay, come in, make the plays that I need to make um, in whatever time that is. And, but don't cost us uh, the game right now uh, because our defense was good enough. But hey, just give us a chance to, to win the game. And then, um, you know, when it came to big moments, like, and your number's called and you got to step up, you got to make those plays. And, and those were times that I loved, um, you know, I, the, the Pittsburgh game was uh, one for sure where, uh, just the, the weather elements and everything, uh, and then the, how the game was going, the swings of, of, of that game were insane. Um, guys getting hurt and everything. So uh, I, I think that's the biggest thing for Jake is, you know, coming in, hey, just keep this thing going straight. Let's don't get off course and, and go all over the place. And, um and at least give yourself a chance and your team a chance at the end of the game to, to have a chance to win. Really? That's it. Isn't it? It's, it's, it's don't, don't make the mistake when you think, I think guys have a tendency in that spot. There's always a tendency to be play scared, right? I mean, I think guys can, can play scared, but there's, there's a difference between, you know, don't play scared, but also don't play stupid. Is that a hard line to go through when you finally get out there? Well, I mean, it especially is if you're a younger guy and you don't have a lot of experience, you know, like that. that's where I, you know, was trying to find the happy medium for me during that time because really that was my rookie season when I got thrown in because the first year I was on NFI, so I didn't get to experience really any playing time whatsoever no preseason or anything and then um going into that second year and uh well that would have been 15 um that you know you really get thrown into there because I, I only played in the preseason um and, and played well during that time but uh you get thrown in all of a sudden versus Pittsburgh um you know one quarter into the game and so it, it was trying to find the happy medium of okay well I definitely don't want to come in and play scared um, and, and, you know, be too scared to turn the ball over and not take chances, but also don't want to, you know, take some of the chances like I might in practice where it's like, well, you know, if I turn it over in practice, there's really no punishment to it. Um, they're not getting points, but you turn it over in the game, especially in the NFL, it's almost like guaranteed three points every time you turn it over. So um, it's definitely finding that happy medium and, and uh, figuring out, you know, where you're best at and what, really what the team needs. I mean, you played at Alabama. You played in national championships. You won three national titles. I mean, there it it wasn't like you, there was going to be an atmosphere that was going to come in and necessarily shake you. But, I mean, there – and Jake doesn't have necessarily that experience, even though he played in a ton of ton of games at, at Washington. Um, what when you When you look at that transition, I mean, I think back to the Denver game right on Monday night football and you guys came out and were just dealing those first two drives might've been the best two drives I'd seen all year. Um, got, yeah. Everybody was making plays and it takes me to kind of where I'm going here, which was, it was just your receivers 
were making plays. You were giving them chances. And they were, I mean, it was some of my favorite catches AJ and Marv had ever made. Uh, what, what, how much is that about, you know, finding a way to trust guys in big spots that you don't have a lot of big spot connections with. And how do you develop that quickly? Is that just have to come from practice? Can, can one big throw in the game gain confidence with everybody? How, how do you view building trust on the spot with receivers and how different that is building it in, you know, a Thursday practice? No, I, I mean, that a hundred percent. That's a great question because, you know, for me during that time, probably the hardest person um for a connection wise for me was aj actually <laughs> you know i had pl- i had played with marvin in some preseason games i had played with mo um and even in practice they did some scout team reps every once in a while um if we were going up against a dominant receiver and we needed somebody with uh you know their size or their speed um to to have a show for the defense so i had more of a connection with them uh, when it came to it. So learning that connection with AJ and I, I really think, um, you know, even that the, my first touchdown pass to AJ in in that Pittsburgh game um, where he ended up booting it in the stands, but uh, <laughs> that, that right there really like made me feel good about like, okay, I can throw this thing. Like when I let that, that ball go, I thought I overthrew him and, to know, like, all right, he has a second gear when the ball's in the air. Um, he does a great job of tracking. And then leading into that Denver game, because um, the next week we played uh, San Fran was my first start. And then the second one, second game uh, was Monday night versus Denver. And, um, you know, really that whole week practicing and uh, Hugh Jade telling me, like, hey, we're coming out throwing, um, you know, Coach Wade Phillips is going to play quarters. He's going to play man. And they're probably going to challenge you man because they had eight pro bowlers on their defense, I think, that year. And um, so it was awesome to be able to come out and find that connection early and make the check to the slow go check to AJ to beat Tlaib uh, in the corner uh, of the end zone. And um, and that really just fired us up and, and – and, you know, made for an awesome game. Uh, hate that we lost it in overtime, but uh, it was that was definitely a, a fun one. Yeah, it it was it was a memorable one for sure. Um, well, I'll I'll wrap it up with this, AJ. I mean, I know. Look, I I saw you can you can still sling it. So I hope we see you in the NFL again sometime soon. And hell, maybe it'll end up being here. But I just uh, I, I I tell you, it's 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 great to see you still doing it and getting the chance to go play and your kids to watch you play. And uh, the fact that you made that choice um, and put family over what would have been, you know, chasing more money was just uh, incredible and great stuff and what, what sports should be all about. And so uh, congrats to you on everything that's happened uh, for you. And and I hope more success. And I hope we, I hope, hope we see you back in the league at some point, because uh, I think you proved it in St. Louis that uh, you still belong here. Well, I appreciate it, Paul. And, uh, like I told you, you know, through our text, I appreciate you over the years always being great to me. And uh, and hopefully, yeah, I'll get to see y'all um, some old faces soon and uh, and have another chance. Yeah, that sounds great. All right, AJ, thank you for your time. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, appreciate you, brother.
All right, next on the podcast, let's bring on a friend of the program, uh, Jordan Rodriguez. You may remember her from such things as the Super Bowl. Uh, (laughs) We had so much. We had fun covering that, Paul. That was awesome. Or or the encore to that, the helmet swinging incident. Right. Less fun to cover. Yeah. (laughs) When the Rams and the Bengals get together, it's just like wild stuff tends to happen. So I'm a little nervous about what the trilogy is going to bring for us, Jordan. There's never not weird moments, you know, like something weird always seems to happen. And I think it's just that, that shared energy between Zach Taylor and Sean McVay. It's like, okay, we veered a little over into, you know, that the, the people who know each other. And so now the universe has to correct itself and make some total weird (laughs) stuff happen. That's, that's my running theory. That's that. Well, uh, the Bengals would sure prefer no more weird stuff because they continue to everyone stand there and stare directly at Joe Burrow's calf and his gate because it's dominated the world where they're at right now. So I'm going to give them a break from that. Um, that freak out here and talk about the Rams. And I want to talk about their quarterback because in watching the first two Rams games, I only could have one major takeaway. Stafford is ripping it. Like Stafford looks like he's out here playing to remind everybody I'm still a dude. And what has it been like watching Stafford's progression through this off season and camp leading up to this? Because through my eyes, it certainly looks like he is really on top of his game right now. Well, you're you're so right. First of all, and and second of all, it, you know he's been like this since April, right? When they he's starting to throw with his receivers, and then into OTAs in May and June. I mean, he he's been doing this, and it's funny because, you know, it, you you run in, I'm sure to this all the time, and what we do as beat writers is we're on the ground, like we see it every single day, we see it, and we talk about it every single day, but. For some reason, it's not necessarily a thing for the rest of the world until he actually puts some game film up. And and my goodness, that week one game tape was was something else. And I think it it is a little bit of an edge to him. You can feel it in that um, less so maybe something to prove to other people, but more so to himself because of the way his season ended last year, spinal cord contusion, two trips, to the concussion protocol, he got hit, you know, a record, I think it was 66 times in nine games. It's the most of any quarterback in the McVay era. So they, they spent a lot of time this off season, rebuilding their offensive line, restructuring some of their pass pro and, and their run game. And I, I think that gives him an edge too. Um, and, and he's healthy. He's healthier than he's even been when he came in in 2021, because even in 2021, people forget he banged his thumb on the top of a O-lineman helmet um, early into training camp and missed even missed a couple of days of training camp. And so this is quite clearly the healthy scene, Matthew Stafford. And like you, you guys are seeing it. You're absolutely right. And in, in the instinct is he's got a little edge to him. I call it darkly chaotic, Matthew Stafford. I mean it as a compliment <laughs> because it's reminiscent of the, the guy we saw spiking the football in the Tampa Bay game after he throws the, for the love of the game ball mm-hmm. uh, with Nadamakin Sue, like, like bursting through right up the gut to, to hit him as he throws that deep concept to Cooper cup that nobody ever throws that concept. That's why it's mm-hmm. called for the love of the game route. The receiver runs it to clear space mm-hmm. and then he runs down the field and spikes the ball. And, and basically after the game says, sometimes you just got to steal a couple souls. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> you know, that's the Matthew Stafford that we're seeing every single day. We've seen that guy since, since OTAs, but now everyone else gets to see it. It seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, he's really in lift all boats mode right now with so many kids around him. I mean, you, you mentioned the rebuild offensive line, but I mean, 
what he's doing for guys and you have an excellent story up on Puka Nakua that I want to get to in a second, but what he's done for so many of these young guys, you, it feels like they're out there playing confidently because Stafford kind of has instilled that in them. And, and that's helped them be obviously one of the biggest surprises of week one and hanging there to the very end with a great 49ers team um, that, you know, where the Rams had plenty of chances to win that game and potentially come to Monday night football two and Oh, Bengals fans didn't expect to feel as threatened as they were, as they are right now coming into this game um, because they felt like, Oh, this is a Rams team. It's in a full, uh, like a gutting, but it doesn't feel that way. And it feels like that's primarily because of what Stafford's doing for everybody. Yeah. It's been really interesting to watch. Some of it has been by necessity and, and there was a concerted effort and, and conversations that happened over this last off season where it was like, Hey, there's going to be, you know, in training camp, there's going to be 40 rookies on this roster. Um, <laughs> there's going to be 14 rookies by the final 53 men cut down. And, you know, that, that, that's significant in terms of there had to be a way that everybody in that building who was going to still be there rethought about how they taught and how they reached people from Sean McVay to Matthew Stafford to Cooper cup, all the way down through the coaching staff, everybody. And so there was already a plan to sort of do things in this way um, because before it had been very Matthew and Cooper and they, they and Sean McVay. And at the time, Kevin O'Connell back in 2021, they really redesigned this offense. They really overhauled it and built it as they went. And now they rebuilt and redesigned it again, but it was, I think a lot more of a uh, group group effort and in that it's included more people and it's included more, more voices, including the younger receivers, maximizing what they do best, getting Tutu Atwell as the motion man, right? Getting him a jogging start off the line of scrimmage. So he's not having to force his way through traffic when maybe he's not because of his stature, that's not his game, things like that, maximizing what players do best and, and trusting them. And, And then some of it did come by necessity because Cooper Cup missed most of training camp and then he missed you know the 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 last part of the preseason he's not out there right now other than he's on the sideline like coaching all of the receivers which is really <laughs> fun to watch but but when that when something like that happens you have to go into other people you have to and that's something that Matthew Stafford I I really actually think he I'm glad you brought it up because I think he deserves a lot of praise for the way that he's done that with those younger guys, telling them this is what I want, but also asking them what works for them. Let's think of ideas and concepts that work for everybody. We saw how limited this offense could be when it was, you know, as great as they are, as great a player as they are, Matthew force feeding the ball to Cooper. You saw how limited that made this offense. And that's not something that they're dealing with anymore. Part of it by necessity, other parts by design. Man, it just seems like as a young receiver, especially one who's not highly touted, you know, like some of the guys they have in there. I mean, to come in and, and have that kind of a timing, the way Stafford plays is so different um, in that, you know, whether we're talking about no looks or just some of every window seems like it's like, it doesn't even feel like it exists. And he puts it in there because there's a tr- has to be a trust in that guy to be there every time. That just seems for a young receiver, that would be such a big challenge and have a large learning curve, but they haven't really looked that way early on. So, you know, a credit to everybody and how they've brought them along, which brings me to your story on Puka Nakua that's up today. And, it, you know, I hope people go and check it out because his story is incredible, first of all. But Thanks, the, the the work behind the scenes 
um, that happens with for somebody to do this. You know, like this is not for something like this to happen. This is not a snap your fingers. Great opportunity. Um, there has to be so much more to it. How did it happen? How, how did Puka Nakua, you know, everybody who was probably in people's fantasy drafts, like one of these last rounds, somebody <laughs> thinks they're real cool and mispronounces it become a thing, a real live thing. Yeah, it's funny. I re- you said the no look stuff and I remember it's not in the story, but I remember the first the first day of um, you know, those early early camp days when I saw Matthew Stafford try a no look with Puka Nakua on a on a midfield crosser and it did not work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then after but then because he, Puka was going where he where he was running his route, he did, of course Matthew's not looking at him, so maybe the ball's not coming and it was a learning a lesson of the ball might still come to you, even if the quarterback's not looking at you. So, um, which was really fun to watch, but Puka has really, I think just blown everybody away for the positive. He's, you know, there's some things, obviously he's going to always be working on. um, But he just came in and, and as you know, Raheem Morris has a good word for it. He, he was just nosy. Like Mm -hmm. he just, he, he wanted to be in all the rooms and he wanted to talk to everybody and he wanted to learn everything he could to the point where they were having to slow him down a little bit because he was, taking on too much information. They didn't want to overwhelm him. So they started layering and building almost like he, like a big Lego set of like mm. everything that he was going to need to, to learn. And, and especially so early in, in the training camp, knowing that Cooper was dealing with a hamstring, you, you have to be ready for what, whatever scenario, if you have a guy start, start player with the hamstring. So they start layering. He's he, first, he's meeting with Jake Peets, the past game specialist. Um, he's, he's in his office early in the mornings and he's just getting like that base layer of what this offense means and the timing. And, and then when they're out on the field, he's paying extra, he's doing extra work with Eric Yarber, who's this like league renowned receivers coach that the Rams have had on their staff for, for a long time. And what Yarbs is doing is he's really honing in on the details of the run game with, with Puka, because as you know, in this offense, receivers can catch the ball as great as, as anybody, um, but they're not going to get on the field if they can't work into the run game or if they can't block away from the ball, even on pass pass game concepts, lots of screens and sweeps and those types of things we love to see from, from um, this coaching tree. And so like, the the contours and and what they were also doing with him at that time is teaching him how to read a defense in a different way because if you're activated in the in the blocking surface you are looking at the defense in a different way you're you're analyzing leverages and voids very differently than you're doing it you know as a as a receiver who's maybe not asked to do those types of things so it was basically like naturally onboarding him into in a very like all 22 way by incremental steps over time. And then Pete's threw him in one day with the ones thinking maybe he's ready for it. So he's getting time with Stafford. Well, he impresses Stafford, right? Who had also thrown with him and sets up throwing sessions with him and with Cooper and Tutu Atwell and Van Jefferson and all those guys between training camp and, and uh, or between OTAs and training camp. And it's just starts to build from there. Um, Puka starts playing more of the receiving spots because they want him to align in different ways, a little bit Robert Woods-esque in the role that he's being asked to do right now. And it just starts building and building to the point where, okay, down the hall, as he's in those Jake Peets rooms, down the hall early in the morning, Matthew Stafford are in their sort of now a well-known breakfast club study sessions that they meet every single morning, um, sometimes way, way earlier than when practice starts and have their have their old guy coffee, you know, and <laughs> 
and they and they break down film but they also they they um they create concepts and they think about things and they they get they have ideas for how they want to do certain things and puka starts to see that that they're going there because he's there he's with pete's every morning Mm -hmm. he starts to see that they're going they're meeting in there and he starts following cooper cup around and he's like hey coop can i join and he's like, yeah, anyone can come in. So he comes in, he's sitting sort of in the back. They're not talking to him. He's mm-hmm. just overloaded and overwhelmed with all this information. And, and all of a sudden they start turning to him and saying, Hey, you're in on this concept. Let's. And so slowly, but surely he immerses himself in that part of, of what they do. And that only goes to, to build rapport. And, and, wh- and it's part of the reason why you see the connection as strong as it is. And there's so much more in that story. Thank you for, for bringing that up. But it, it it's it was like incremental steps over time. And I think that's what I love about our job, Paul, is like we can see change over time again. We're, we're there every single day. So when he bursts onto the scene in weeks one and two and everyone's like, holy, you know what? I got to pick this guy up off waivers. They're like, who the hell is this guy? You're like, actually, I can tell you, I can show you. And, 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 and it's really fun to watch people, especially young people grow in that way over time. And, and there's still a lot he's got to learn and, and pick up on, but it just an incredible start and, and certainly a group effort bringing him along. Yeah, it is. The, the Bengals have similar, you know, they haven't had the opportunity because there hasn't been really any clear other way, but Charlie Jones out of Purdue, Andre Yoshivash, the kid from Princeton who like have been nosy, right. And they have yeah. been really sticking their and they the you win fans that way if you're a guy who is a fourth or a sixth round pick or and you're from Princeton or whatever like you win people over by by showing that it matters to you by showing up early and and trying to be as involved as you possibly can so that you're ready when the time calls it's a great I mean it should be a, it should be a story that should be handed to every young receiver <laughs> who's either undrafted or in the, or or a day 3 pick uh in this league because eventually you're going to get a chance if you if you keep putting yourself in position before we go um and I get your prediction if you're willing to give one uh I will I want to ask you about the pass rush obviously it's going to be mm. a concern on Monday night football for the Bengals if Joe is playing big old capital I capital F on that one either way um where where is the Rams pass rush at this point we know 99 we know what Donald's gonna do <laughs> like everybody knows that and nobody knows more than Bengals fans who have nightmares of him pointing to his ring finger but the, does he have enough help right now to to help them really become that swarming uh group that can that can set off Aaron Donald to to take advantage you know, they're still putting it together because that that was that's an area that got completely overhauled outside of Aaron Donald. And it, it features all players other than Michael Hoyt, who just started playing outside linebacker last year, late last season after switching over from uh, defensive tackle. Um, so he his his diet sounds like something I would not want to be a part of in terms of switching from defensive <laughs> interior defensive lineman to outside linebacker. But um, but but yeah, the, so Hoyt, you know, Hoyt is gonna do uh some speed power stuff, and Byron Young is pure speed. Byron Young is a player who I think Bengals fans should definitely keep an eye on um on Monday night because he's popped a little bit. I mean, he worked his way up into that starting role. Again, they they didn't have a Leonard Floyd or you know, obviously not a Von Miller, any anyone, any tenured players on the roster, but he really pretty firmly secured that that starter spot early in camp. And he looks the part. And he certainly has showed some flashes in these first two weeks 
of a guy who at some point is going to really consistently be like a dude for them. So he, he definitely is someone other than 99 to, to watch for, but this, this is a group that's super young, super inexperienced. Um, they, they obviously want to get some good momentum going against what sounds like a Bengals offensive line. That's had some issues here early on, but one of the things that Zach Taylor, I think is going to be really good at is he's, he's going to look at the film. He's going to see they're pretty, they're pretty mushy against the run around the outside. Kyle Shanahan just worked them around the outside mushy edges because they are young. They're still working on their technique and in setting those edges and they don't have a ton of size on the outside. So I think that that's what they, uh, what Zach Taylor is probably looking at on film to capitalize on and something that certainly not just the pass rush, but this group as a whole needs to figure out because a lot of those explosives are run explosives that are coming around the, around the edges on outside runs. So that's what I'd watch out for with this group. Yeah, and certainly a trend to watch when you think about, you know, the one maybe pleasant surprise of the Bengals 0-2 start has been that Joe Mixon in the running game has been better than they thought it was going to be. And obviously, whatever's going on at the quarterback position, you could think a lean more into that would certainly make sense um, to see. And if if you have, feel like that's a, something you can exploit, maybe that's where it ends up. I won't ask you to predict. Uh, I, I don't think anybody can predict what's going to happen until we officially no. <laughs> know who's playing the quarterback or anytime these two teams get together. So I won't ask you to predict the game. But what's what's something you anticipate being a, a storyline come out of Monday night? Yeah, I think Tutu Atwell. I know we talked about Pukunako a lot, but I think Tutu Atwell, he's quietly had a couple of really big games. And I think this is a good that what what the Bengals are really good at, especially defensively, they've been good at um like just uh closing down on some of the zone breakers that um the Rams had run with Cooper Cup and then also that they're running with Pukunako. I mean, it it took every single thing possible uh to get that ball away from von bell the infamous drive you know Mm -hmm. it took every single thing and then some luck to make that work they're they're really good at understanding the Rams' zone tendencies i think um from a coordinator perspective and a schematic perspective and tutu atwell is a player who he can break his own if necessary but he's a good outside the hash player too so i would i would keep an eye on him and then the rams also have overhauled their run game you could see the theory they're running more gap concepts you could see the theory behind it hasn't quite popped yet but kyron williams has been an incredibly productive player uh in terms of the efficient the run efficiency like um you can see it's not necessarily the big numbers aren't there but you can see what the theory is and there's a physicality to this rams team that they have not had um they've always kind of been a finesse team but you're definitely going to see a physicality from them um up starting up front and then pretty much trickling all the way through because these receivers are are good yards after catch guys too yeah can't can't wait to see what happens next uh, between these two. It's going to be weird. It's, it's going to be weird is all we can promise. Uh, and it'll be late. So I look forward to uh, uh, another long day in Cincinnati with you, Jordan. So have a safe trip across country. Looking forward to seeing you uh, this weekend. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Paul. Can't wait. All right. Thanks to AJ and Jordan uh, for joining Wildcard, uh, the Wildcard podcast. Great to have them on. I will... I will wrap it up here um, with a bang our Bengals growler bet reminder. If you want to put in your submissions, uh, that is hashtag Bengals growler bet on Twitter. You can just put in the hashtag. You can at me, whatever you want to do. As long as you have hashtag Bengals growler bet, your submission will be counted. Or you can email me pdaner at the athletic.com. Uh, 
with Growler in the subject header somewhere. If you make me laugh, it might get your submission read. <laughs> um, and so I always ask for people to do that, especially it's really the it's really the Ray White syndrome. I always read Ray's because he always makes me laugh every single week with it. Uh, so <laughs> give me your, your Growler bet submissions for the week and you can be drinking delicious 50 West beer uh, free at our next live event. Okay, uh, I'm going to keep it consistent with last week. And uh, and say this, it's going to be Jake Browning passer rating. This is under the assumption that he plays. If he doesn't, it's just Bengals QB's passer rating. Okay, so you can take that however you want to. For this, I'm just going to call it passer rating, just like we did passer rating last week. We're going to do it again. So <laughs> ship it my way again, and let me know what you think. Uh, and I my I'm going to say. Uh, I'm going to say 85.3. I'm going to go in the mid 80s. I think you like that's optimistic. Not bad. Uh, maybe that was pessimistic last week. Maybe it's optimistic this week. I don't know. I'm going middle of the road uh, of, of an ordinary outing from Jake if he plays. That's, that's mine. Do you have a guess, Dave? I'm going to go 79.4. I've thought about this a lot. Yeah. Well, for the last <laughs> 25 seconds. No question. Uh, if it is Jake Browning, I think he, he does okay. I don't think he does great but I think he does okay. And I think he gets terrorized by Aaron Donald as we're expecting. Yes. Um, one quick Arby's uh, before we leave. I, I do I do just want to point out um, that I love people on Twitter and some of their responses to things. I have a particularly good one that, that I, that I want to point out that, that I, I enjoyed today. And it was from, What's our name here? What's our name here on this one? It's are you sure you want to? I'm not I'm not gonna even I'm not gonna give them the pleasure, but the, the, <laughs> the their point was uh to my response to my column. This is becoming a real joke at this point. The guy didn't tear his knee or break his arm, he had a calf strain for the love of God. Slap some effing Ben Gay on <laughs> it and get a primetime win to get our season jump started. You pay players that sort of money for more than talent. Uh it made me have a thought. I think I'm I'm gonna pull. Zach Taylor aside for a post-practice <laughs> question today. Have you guys considered slapping some effing Ben Gay <laughs> on it? Okay. What if that was the solution? The that whole would be, time? that would be the best is like all of a sudden, like a light bulb goes off and like, ben Whoa, Gay! Whoa. We did not think of that. We had the copper sleeve, but we didn't go with the Ben Gay. I mean, and it's so close to Ben goals. It's there right go. there. Like, and you know, if you're looking through stuff, did you have the B and G? It might accidentally just come up in like a trending Google search. Kind of sounds never like Hootay too. Them. Yes. Sounds like Hootay too. It, it does. Yeah. But so Ben Gay, Hootay. It's uh, how did this get lost? You're right. <laughs> Slap some effing Ben Gay on it. I totally agree. Words to live by. It made me laugh. Yeah. Uh, prediction. My prediction uh, for Monday night is that I really hesitate to give one. Um, because we just there's so many unknowns at this point, but I do feel as though it is my obligation to do so. And here's what I'm going to say: Bengals win. Wow! And, and I think no matter who plays, whether it's Burrow or they're finding a way to get Jake Browning going, I think the Bengals win this game. I think they're backs against the wall. Everybody else knowing they need to help carry a little, carried a little bit more. Prime time home, which is now a thing they do well. Yeah. Um, got the I, fancy I, uniforms going. You got. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, you know, 
1917 uh as as my Bengals win score here find a way type game uh to get a W at home I I think they do I don't know yeah. it's just something about the spot and the conversation around them and the doubters that they thrive in that better than the high expectations you know they yeah. need a little bit of a back against the wall they've always played like that when people start to doubt them is when they play best yeah. um and then prime time I think can bring it out of them too so I'm gonna I'm going to say that. That's just a gut feel on watching this team the last couple of years. We may be sitting here on the walkout Monday night, Dave, saying that was stupid to think that Jake Browning could come in and and win a game of that magnitude, never having thrown a pass in the league before. We may say that. I don't yeah. know. Um, but uh, for me right now, I'm, I'm going to say it, it ends up okay. I think it feels like an NFL script writer kind of game that everybody you, you're going to watch the pregame and everybody's going to take the Rams, especially if Burrow doesn't play and the Bengals will come out and be much better. And I think the reason why is the defense. I think the defense shows up this week. The Rams have not looked bad. And this is starting to shape up as one of those seasons that McVay might not win double digit games. But people are going to say it's his best coaching job because he's gone out with a bunch of young guys and, and no names and Stafford's look good, but I think they come back down to earth. And I, I would say Bengals 24, 14 on the back of a great defensive effort. There you go. I like, I I mean, look, if they can, I mean, there's no reason they shouldn't be able to slow the Rams running game, which has not been good and should get them in positions to get after Stafford. And if you do that, that's when he'll throw you the ball. And that's where you can get those turnovers that, make it so much easier on your backup quarterback that's really going to be the key this thing that we started the week talking about right yeah. about this lack of ability to stop the run that has been really demoralizing i think they're going to take that personally and uh i i think you see that being a big reason why they can create that's going to be a big deal on on monday night create third and long situations where Luana Rumo can devise ways to get hits and pressure on Stafford. Because if you let him sit back there, just watch. If you, if you don't believe me, turn on the highlights of the first two weeks. Stafford, as yep. we talk about with Jordan, Stafford is killing it out there because he's had time to sit back there and go with an improved offensive line in yep. front of him. The Bengals got to get after him. That means advantageous situations to do so. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks again to A.J. McCarron who I hope we see uh, in the league and hell in Cincinnati sometime soon. Uh, and thanks to Jordan Rodriguez, who we will see in Cincinnati sometime soon. And thanks to Dave Ninimitz, who I maybe will see, um, you know, not on zoom sometime in person <laughs> soon, but that's, le- that's more sketchy to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a tough one. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you on the walkout uh, on Tuesday morning. Have a good one, everybody.